Storytelling. Moments in time. The things we don't want to forget. Details that are etched in our souls are every day. Teaching. Artists who want to share their passion for telling the stories of their lives so you can better tell the stories of yours. Sharing. A space and place to share your work, be inspired, motivated, supported, and learn from one another. Community. A group for photographers run by photographers. We welcome you to this community. Welcome to Hello Storyteller Podcasts. I'm Megan Boggs, a natural light, lifestyle, outside the box, and motive photographer, and mom of two sweet girls based out of Tulare, California. And I'm Melissa Ortendahl, a natural light, lifestyle, and documentary photographer based in central Massachusetts. Be the first to know about all of our upcoming educational opportunities, blogs, podcasts, mini lesson tutorials, and more. Make sure to check out our website at www.hellostoryteller.com and sign up for our mailing list to receive all the exciting new updates. Hey, storytellers, it's Megan and Melissa. Hi. Hey, so I'm taking over today because guess what? We are interviewing (laughs) Melissa. Yay. (laughs) I'm trying not to be nervous. You think I want to be nervous after 11 years of interviewing people for a living, but this is is a different uh, venue here. And I'm going to try really hard not to... Interview myself. Interview yourself. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how well that goes. Okay, we'll see. (laughs) All right, Mel. So, um, some we might have new listeners, so I kind of want to start at the beginning, and I want to know where you're from. Oh, okay. I am from Massachusetts, born and raised here. I've lived here my entire life, and I currently live in central Massachusetts, right smack dab in the middle, which I know... For a lot of people that don't live in New England, especially Massachusetts, they're like, oh, you live in Boston? There's a whole <laughs> state outside of Boston. <laughs> I live in that there part. There is? There is. Oh, wow. I had there no is. idea. I know. It's very surprising. When I was in graduate <laughs> school in Indiana, this was like a, a topic of conversation all the time about where I actually lived. But yes, I live in central Massachusetts. So how far are you from Boston then? I can get to I mean, I can get to, like, the airport in an hour. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. We're we're pretty close. I can do that. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have an older brother, and I have a younger sister. I am a middle child. I wear that label proudly. (laughs) I don't get that vibe from you, though. I don't know if there is a vibe, but you don't feel like the middle child to me. Yeah, I joke with my brother all the time that I was actually meant to be born first, but it just didn't work out that way. I think just because of my siblings and their personalities, I think I probably have a lot of first child like tendencies. My brother is very laid back. <clears throat> he is very emotionally steady. <laughs> I always refer to him as Switzerland. Like oh, he's okay. just very like neutral and even keeled takes a lot a lot a lot to rile him up um so i think because of his kind of laid back kind of he's very passive i think um my personality i think is probably more of a oldest child than a middle child i think yeah i definitely get that from you you're very um strong 
Not yeah. in a not in a overpowerful way, but a very like this is me and this is what I do and I'm here to help. You know, I don't know. I just get that like big sister vibe. But you are a big sister too, so that works I too. I am. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and are you married? I am married. Yep. And how long have you been married for? Uh, let me think about that for a hot second. Um, tw- it'll be 12 years this I think year. I already knew that answer to that question. Yeah. We've been, yeah. So married for 12. We've been together. Oh my God. We've been together for 18 or almost 18. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's terrifying. I don't know how that's possible considering I'm only 22. I don't know how I could possibly be <laughs> with him for that long. I'm so young still. So young. See, so young. you know when you're getting older, when you can say you've done something for 15 plus years? Right? That, oh my that's gosh. That's when you're getting old. I still have a vivid memory of, so there used to be this, um, there's, it's Six Flags now, but it was this, it was called Riverside. It was Riverside Park, which it was still an amusement park, but it was like, you know, small, low key. And someone had mentioned it. And I said to somebody, this was years ago. I said, oh my gosh, I haven't been there in like 15 years. And I very vividly remember thinking to myself, like, I'm old enough now to not have been somewhere for 15 years. And I wasn't like a child at the time. Like, exactly. It felt very significant. I was like, I feel like I have lived enough years. Like, yeah, I do. I feel, you know, it was significant. I very vividly remember that. Yeah, that's, I didn't actually do the math on how long he and I have been together in total. So that's a long time. (laughs) Yeah, that is a long time. Oh, boy. I know. I think I graduated high school like 17 years ago. I remember like, the four years of high school. I'm like, I can't wait to get out of this place. And the four years felt like forever. And now I look back, I'm like, that was 17 years ago. Yeah. Holy oh, cow. actually, wait. I take it back. We all have been together for 17 years, not 18, because I don't know how to do math. <laughs> Come on, Mel. So that's, that feels better than 18. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't feel as long. I don't know what one year difference makes, makes really, but... Yeah, you so know, we, next year you're going to be 18 years, right? <laughs> I know. Well, yes, I know that. But right now it's not. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> Me and my husband have been together. It'll be 15 years this September. So, Ooh. yeah. Long time. Yeah. And we know you have kids, but how many kids do you have and how old are they? I have three children. I have three boys. And my oldest is going to be nine, which I don't know how that's possible at all. And then I have twins who just turned six. Yay. Yay. And since we also talk about mom stuff, what yeah. is your favorite thing about being a mom? Oh, man. Probably just seeing them develop into little people. You know, my yeah. kids are at an age now where they are very much, you know, little people. That's kind of, you know, what they're doing in their worlds now. Everyone's in school. <laughs> You know, we're done. We're the baby years are are behind us at this point. You know, we have school aged kids. All of our kids are in school, and that in itself has been, I think, an interesting transition to be in that space. Um, you know, but they. I mean, my kids have always had very different personalities. Um, but it, it's it's just cool to like see them develop and grow into the people that they are supposed to be, and you hope that you haven't messed it up too much along the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's probably that's probably the best part like just watching them just grow and develop and become you know, a, a, the people that they were meant to be and supposed to be and, and the different versions of that as they grow up too has been really intriguing. 
Yeah, I agree. That's one of my favorite things too. It's just, I find myself lately just staring at my children yeah. <laughs> because they're just growing so fast. And I just sit there and stare at them. They're probably like, mom, what are you doing? Stop right. staring at me. But especially my three-year-old because she's just, she's becoming her own little person. I know she's talking and so much now. So much. I know. <laughs> I'll be talking to Melissa on the phone or something and she'll just jump in the conversation and she'll just have a whole conversation with Melissa. And it's really funny. It's true. True story. But yeah, just hearing her and hearing her act with interact with her sister and just be, being a person now before, you know, she was just the baby and I, we still call her the baby, but yeah. for just to see her personality really start to shine and her have her own thoughts. And now at the dinner table, my oldest is old enough to have conversations with us and tell her, tell us about her day and sit there and listen to our conversations and then chime in when she wants to or ask questions. So now I see my youngest doing the same thing at the age of three because she's kind of taking after what her sister's doing. Mm -hmm. And it's just so cute to see that interaction of the four of us just being this little family and having conversations at dinner. And that's just so fun. It is. It's really cool. And because I like to have well-rounded questions and answers, what is maybe you're not so favorite thing about being a mom? <laughs> oh boy. Um, I think just all of the uncertainty, you know, I, I think you're always wondering if you're doing the right thing, you know, whether yeah. they're babies or, you know, especially, and I think you and I actually think had this conversation when we were together in California, but you know, the age my son is now, my oldest son is now, I feel like there's a lot of information out there around, um, you know, when they're babies and it's like everything's focused on infancy and getting through infancy. And it's so hard because they, you know, you they eat all the time and they don't sleep and you're so tired. And like, Basically, yes. it's just about keeping the baby alive. Right. That's all we have to do. Right. And so like, I, and, and, and I get it. Like, I know it is hard because you're not used to it and you're adjusting. And then there's all this talk about them when they're teenagers, you know, how hard that is and how hormonal and emotional they are. And I don't feel like anybody talks about like this age that my oldest son is now. And I feel like this is, this is, he's at the age now where I could mess this whole thing up. Like, <laughs> I, like I could do some serious damage in here. I feel like because he's, you know, still very interested in what my husband and I have to say, but he definitely has his own viewpoint and own opinions on things, but he's still moldable at this point. And I feel like at his age now, like almost nine through like 13 or 14, like this is where you really have to, you know, instill that like moral grounding and still that, you know, that sense of accountability and still, you know, how to be a good, positively contributing member to society. Like this is the time where I feel like this is where the important work has to be done. And so I think, you know, I think you're always wondering how you are going to shape your children. And um, that's probably what's, you know, the, the, I think overarchingly probably the most challenging thing for me as a mother is the uncertainty, the unknowing and wanting to do, wanting to raise good kids. You know, I want to raise good kids and it's hard to raise good kids. Uh, I think my, my boys are inherently good people, but I think it's hard to, to know exactly how they're going to turn out. You know, it's not, there's no recipe for this. You know, it's just, you have to kind of figure it out as you go along. And yeah, so that's probably the the part that's most challenging for me. Um, I can, I think consistently overall, I mean, we all have our ebbs and flows with our kids. We talk about that and the, you know, and the mom talks too about, you know, 
whatever situation we're dealing with with our children at this point in time that kind of ebbs and flows. But I think overarchingly in like the long game, that's my biggest challenge. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the ages that our kids are, at least my oldest and yours, that they're just forming. And we have to be very careful about how we word things and explain things and kind of be on our best behavior as well because they're learning from us. Not just not just the other people that they go to school with and the kids and the teachers, but they're around us all the time. So yeah. it's like we have to be on our best behavior too. And, you know, sometimes mommy slips a little swear word. <laughs> Don't <laughs> <What>? repeat that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but yes, these, these lessons and emotions and everything else. I mean, there's, there's no guidebook. Just give me no. the guidebook. No. Right. I mean. I probably wouldn't read it anyway. But, <laughs> but you'd have I'd it probably for reference skim through. if exactly. you needed it. Yeah, there's no reference. That's why we just t- call my mom. <laughs> I'm like, what do yeah. you do? <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely challenging. I think at this age, especially because they're so desperate to be in control mm-hmm. at such a young age, and literally they know nothing. I don't say that in a bad way. They right. literally know nothing. <laughs> yeah, they know everything though, Meg. Oh, I know. Everything. <laughs> I've lost count in the last couple of days of how many times I've been told I'm being unfair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or I don't like you or you're mean. Or... Yes. Yep. All of those. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hear them all the time. Mm-hmm. Such a mean mommy. Yeah. Now getting to the good stuff. Okay. Why do you create? <sighs> I don't know how not to. <laughs> That's how I feel. You know, it's funny because from a very when I look back over kind of over my life, even from a very young age, I was journaling. You know, so I had these journals from when I was like six and seven. Um, and it was always an outlet for me. I, you know, I had a, a camera at a very young age as well. And I was always taking pictures of, of anything of, of the sky, of the clouds, of the, of, you know, the flowers of whatever it was. So, you know, I was writing at a young age. I was taking pictures. I was a dancer. And so I think it's just I didn't always... know you were a dancer. I was a dancer. How did you never share this bit of information? How did you not I know? We dancing. haven't talked about this before. No, no I'm not I... dancing. Oh, well, see, you're learning something new. I'm learning lots of new things today. Um, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. So I started dancing at three and I danced up until I was a senior in high school. And then in college, I was in our dance company. I was the president of our dance company. What? I, I taught dance. <laughs> How did I not know this? This is a huge part of your life. Yeah, it was a really big part of my life. Um, I danced on point. I, you know, I did all of those things. So That's hardcore, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always knew you were a badass. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Badass ballerina. <laughs> So one of my youngest, like, you know, memories of what I wanted to be when I grew up was a ballerina. Um, And so I I feel like there's always been this intrinsic and I was I'm a singer. And so I I feel like it's just in me. It's always been there in me, this need to create or express myself. Like I remember being in the backyard at my parents' house in the summertime and I've got my, you know, my boom box plugged in with an extension cord and <laughs> my mixtape, you know, and I'm making up dances in the backyard and I stop and I'm looking up at the clouds and I'm like, oh my gosh, the clouds are so, there's a storm rolling in, like the colors of the clouds are swirling around and the movement, like, I just feel like I've always been very observant and always kind of seen things in a different way. And then 
I don't think I was actually really aware of until later on in my life. And, you know, when I first went to college, I was a vocal performance major. Um, and then realized that while I am a good singer, I was not going to be, you know, at the Met or singing Carnegie Hall. And so I figured I needed to move on to something else. <laughs> um, and then I was a, an, a creative writing major. I was an English creative writing major. And that's what my undergraduate degree is in. Um, and so, you know, writing and poetry and short stories. And so it's always been in me. And I feel like... And I still do all of those things. You know, I still write. I still write poetry. I still express myself in, in different ways. Um, I don't dance as much, really, unless I'm, like, dancing with the kids in the living room. Um, but, you know, I still find all of these different outlets to to create because I feel like each one of those things or whatever it is that I'm, you know, I know how to crochet. So for a long time, I was crocheting a lot of things like... I, Wait, you crochet too? I do. I knew there was a reason why we're best friends. I know. We yeah. just like all the same things. You know, and I feel too, like, I grew up in a house of, and in a family of, of strong women. And so, you know, from a very young age, I was baking, you know, I was, my grandmother, my mom's mother was a nightclub singer. That's what she did. And so I grew up surrounded by all of these cousins and, you know, we were always singing. We were always getting together with family. My grandmother on my father's side is the one that taught me how to make cookies and how to, you know, and taught me is the one that taught me how to crochet. And so I feel like, you know, I had all of these really kind of formative experiences as a younger child of just being encouraged to create. Um, my mother is very artistic as well. And so, you know, I think that's always, it was never stifled in me. It was always encouraged and supported and, you know, and embraced as, as a positive outlet. And I think in, in lots of different times in my life, that has been a, a, a life raft for me um, in terms of, I, you know, I don't know, I think sometimes like where I would be now if I didn't have that outlet to create um, because it definitely has gotten me through some, you know, some challenging times in my life, both as a young, young person and <laughs> as an adult as well. Um, but yeah, that's always, I just, it's always been something I've done. So I don't even know how to separate myself out from it. I think I'm more cognizant of it now and I embrace it and I make time for it. Um, because I understand the value that it brings for me, um, both as a business owner, um, in terms of working with clients, um, but also for myself personally, it's part of the reason why I, you know, I do self portraits for me right now, or is, is kind of my, my main kind of creative outlet. Um, but everything serves a purpose and, and fills a different kind of need, I think. Um, and I cycle through different things depending on kind of where I am and what I'm feeling like, but it just kind of happens naturally, I think, for me. So you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. My grandma was a nightclub singer. What? No! Yes! Shut in up! Chi in Chicago. No! Yes! My God, Meg, we're like the same person. I swear, it's like we're This is twins. creepy. I didn't even know really this. It's creepy. I, I'm telling you, same person. That's insane. I know. What? No way. I never got to meet her, though, because she passed away before I was born. But mm. I've heard stories, and she sounds amazing. Well, and you sing, too. Yes, I do. As we were driving down the coast of California, <laughs> singing, harmonizing, NBD, 
putting on a little concert in our hotel room. Don't worry about us. It was amazing. It was the best. <laughs> this is why you guys have to find your people because yes. when you find them, it's like gold. Yeah. Yeah. See, and we're still learning things. I know. That we didn't know before. It's yeah. It's amazing. Okay. So what moves you? What elicits an emotional reaction from you in your own work and when you're looking at uh, other artists? I think connection. You know, I I describe myself, I think in, in my younger life, I would have described myself um, as an extrovert. But I think as I've gotten older, and I think maybe that was just disguised. <laughs> I just kind of maybe had to be extroverted, I think, in, in some of my family situations. And so um, I think what I would consider myself to be is an extroverted introvert like I'm extroverted when I need to be so like when I'm working with a family you know I'm like I'm in I'm in like I'm all in the game if I'm shooting a wedding you know I'm like okay let's do this thing right and I'm on but then the 10 minutes before I have to go to the session I'm like oh I don't really want to do this why did I sign up to do this this feels awful (laughs) and then as soon and then I get there I'm fine like I'm in it and I'm good and then I get home and I'm like no one talk to me Uh leave me alone um but I think part – there's a point to why I'm mentioning this. But I, I think I've always been an observer. And so I think for me, I pick up on things that maybe other people don't. And I think that's really been helpful for me in my work as a photographer because I, I'm always anticipating. I'm always observing. I'm always picking up on nuance and detail and I think that for me is what moves me in my work. And so, you know, when I have like for a client, for example, if I have a family sitting together, right, and some mom and dad are, are tucked in and, you know, and son's on the lap and, and daughter's, you know, sitting next to mom, you know, they're looking at me or looking at each other. I'm looking at... Okay, the daughter is has her fingers intertwined with mom and dad has his, you know, is has his face resting against his wife's forehead and he's got his eyes closed. He's kind of breathing in, you know, her her scent. And that's the stuff that I'm looking for. So when I see an image that moves me, it's because there's that nuance there. And it's almost sometimes the unspoken in the picture that speaks loudest to me than what's actually there. Um, And so I think I'm always striving to capture that in my own work, both personally of my own children and then with my clients is, you know, I want them to walk away with images that they pick up on that those are the things that they love about their family, about their children. And it's never like an open discussion. It's never like I say to the client, so what's your, what's your favorite feature about your son? You know, (laughs) like it's just this weird kind of like natural thing that I have that I'm picking up on the dimple. I'm picking up on the curls in the back of the neck. I'm picking up on, you know, the way the daughter plays with the hem of her dress when she's nervous. Like just those things, because innately I think I am an observer in that way that it helps me be able to hone in on those nuances, that connection and that underlying emotion that I think exists um, in all of us, whether you're by yourself or with your family or your partner or whoever it might be. Um, But that's what, what moves me. I like subtlety. 
I mean, like, yeah, who doesn't love a gorgeous backlit, you know, golden hour image with a, you know, dress flying through the air? Like, everyone loves that. It's beautiful to look at. But I like the subtle, you know, the the hand in the hair, the, you know, just the the understated for me. The quiet moments. Yeah. Because I think those are harder to capture. Those are harder to hold on to. Um, and those are the memories that I want of my own children. You know, I shoot my my kids, you know, 99.9% documentary. Um, partly because they're completely not cooperative. And partly because, <laughs> um, because I want, you know, 15, 20 years from now when they're, you know, 25 or 29 or... 30 or whatever it is, you know, I want to remember the way that, you know, my, my youngest, you know, had this glimmer in his eye and how, you know, my other son always carried his stuffed cat around with him. Like, you know, they just, I want, those are the things that as a, as a mother, I want to remember. And those are the things that as an artist speak to me, I think the most. The stolen moments. Yeah. The ones that no one really looks at but you want to remember those moments forever yeah yeah i like that what would you say was your breakthrough moment your aha like when did you find your voice and and tell me a little bit about how you got there so i think i've talked about this before um at some point probably in the podcast i'm sure um but my background is actually not not in photography at all uh my background is in higher education um, that's, I have a master's degree in student affairs and higher education. And I worked, um, at several colleges in several different capacities. Um, just prior to staying at home with my children, um, I was the director of student conduct and at a private institution. And so photography had always been, a, a passion of mine, but I, um, actually just, shortly just before you and I kind of connected, I decided to leave my job and stay home with my children. At the time, my oldest son was just starting kindergarten and my my twins were uh, just turned two. And I really felt this pull. You know how like when you're growing up and you you think about like aspirations of things that you want to be when you grow up and you have like the dream job, right? Like the one that you were probably told as a kid, like, oh, that's a great dream to have. Like that's not going to make you any money. You're not going to do that. And I think that's part of the reason why I even as a very young child was like, I'm never going to be a dancer. Cause like, how do you make a living that way? You know? What was um, your dream job? So as a kid, it was to be a ballerina. And <laughs> then in, in another iteration, it was to be a singer. Um, and then, you know, photography kind of began taking a more prevalent role. And I remember thinking to myself, even as I was in graduate school, um, you know, getting my degree, even as I was applying for job, and I loved my job. I loved my career. I loved working in higher education. I felt like I had found my calling when I realized that you could work in student affairs at, in colleges and work in residence life and stu- in judicial affairs and student activities. And it was like a legitimate job. <laughs> like, I was like, wait, I can get paid for doing this? I'm, I'm on board. I loved my job. Um, and, you know, I don't think I realized until I left it how much of my – identity was wrapped up in being a student affairs professional. Um, I was planning to, I was getting ready. I was researching schools to go back to get my doctorate. And, and I, for me, so, and probably in those last couple of, you know, probably college and and graduate school, 
Um, and probably once I started having my kids too, you know, I always thought to myself, you know what, if I could just be a photographer full time, like that would be ideal. Like just take pictures all day. Like what's bad about that? Like, there's That just sounds like a fantastic idea. But, you know, I didn't have any clients at that point. The year that I left my job, I had done a handful of sessions. I think I had shot one wedding um, that was like a friend of mine that I went to or a sister of someone I went to college with. And, you know, I had a, a handful of clients. I did a couple mini sessions. Nothing – I would not even consider that, you know, to be a, a business at that point. But when I left my job, I said to myself and to my husband, I said, you know, I'm going to take these next three years because there was three years before my younger two started kindergarten to really see if I can do this, to really see if I can turn this passion of mine into, you know, an income producing activity that can help support our family. And if I can't, then I'll go back to work in in student affairs when the boys start school. And um, I'll know that I have tried my best and whatnot. And I worked my butt off. And I think I was struggling to, f- to find what felt like me. And I think part of it is you're so inundated with, especially if you're on Instagram, you're so inundated, I think overwhelmed with pictures, with images. And it's hard to know why you're drawn to an image that you're drawn to or what you like about it. And I think it was really during my 365 project that, um, that I really started to settle in to what felt like me. And I remember I was making the switch. I had been doing, um, I had been doing posed newborns. So I would, you know, I'd bring all my stuff to, a client's house, my beanbag, my backdrops, my buckets, my whatever, all my props, my clothes, my headbands, my swaddles. And, and the I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah, it was like I was moving into their house every time I showed up. <laughs> For the next four hours. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. I liked it a great deal. I was good at it. My pictures, you know, I think were, were pretty good. But inevitably, at some point during the session, you know, mom would be holding the baby and I'd be like, let's just get a picture of you and dad sitting on the couch and just holding baby. You don't need to have one. They're so little. And those were always my favorite shots. <laughs> and I remember very vividly that I, I think it was the first fall. So I left my job in September. And that fall, I actually had a decent amount of, of bookings. Or maybe it was the following year. I don't really remember. But um, I had a in-home newborn session. And I, when I talked to the woman, I said, we're going to do this in two parts. I'm going to do the post part, but then I just want to get some pictures of you and your husband and your other daughter with the baby. And I thought to myself, I like this a lot better. <laughs> like, I like the, where everyone can cuddle and snuggle together and be together. And it was really, I think during my 365 project that I felt like I didn't feel this pressure to conform to what I thought being a quote unquote good photographer was. And part of that process was also going through, I think, which is funny because I think it's in juxtaposition to going through the click pro process where, <laughs> you know, we you know where you're, you have to really learn how to work within these parameters. Um, but as I think sometimes as frustrating or as limiting as that felt at the time, to be trying to explore your own voice as an artist, but then trying to go through this really kind of rigorous process of being, you know, graded on your technical, you know, proficiency. 
it really taught me how to combine the two. How do I take documentary, emotive, connection-filled images and still have them work technically? How do I make that be a a technically good picture? Um, and I really felt like it felt like me. I think it started with my work with my own kids, um, and then it sent it to clients, and I was shifting. I found myself shifting, and I and I remember I added in a a session for my clients that was higher than anything I had charged before. And it was strictly lifestyle. That's all it was going to be. And people started booking them. And I thought for sure that no one was going to book them. It felt like it was so expensive when it's not at all. And, um, but I felt like no one's going to, you know, versus the hundred dollars I was charging somebody before for something. And so, you know, they started booking them. And every time I went to a session and I walked away and the parents were like, that was so much fun. Like we even kind of forgot you were there. And I'm like, this is, this is how I want it to feel. I want, I want to feel this way when I'm, when I am shooting, this is how I want to feel. I want to feel, I don't want to feel stressed out. I don't want to feel worried that I'm not, that no one, that everyone's looking at the camera. Like, I don't want that. It's posed, it's forced. And I just, that's not me. It's not me anymore. I did that because I thought that's what being a photographer was and it's not me at all. Yeah. So I don't know that there was like a moment per se that I was like, ta-da, this is it. (laughs) But I think it was, I think it was more a gradual of, I'm going to put this out there and see how people respond to it. And, you know, I have some amazing clients. I have clients that have been with me for, for five years. Um, I just, this past fall, had a session with a family who was literally my very first client. I put out an ad for a mini session and at the time, their youngest daughter was like the same age as my kid, my youngest kids. So she was eight months old and they've been with me for five years. And they, you know what? I take that back. I'm going to back up and say that there was a moment. This was even before I left my job. So this family in particular, the, the amazing family, I did a session for them, this first mini session for them, which went really well. And then they booked me the following spring and I took some of my favorite images at that time of their family. They were all laying down on a blanket together and just kind of snuggling together and just playing with their kids. And that's all they were doing. And I was capturing them. And I was like, these, the I love these. <laughs> these are so much better than all the other ones where they're like sitting there looking at me. And so, you know, to have that family stay with me through all of the various transitions and, you know, skill, strength and growth as an artist. Like I look back at their pictures from that first session and I know that they love them and I appreciate that. I don't necessarily know that I feel the exact same way. Um, But to see the growth from point A to where I am now and to just know that I really feel like I am, when I'm shooting now, I... I'm confident in what I'm doing. And um, that's a really satisfying feeling to have that, you know, you know what you're doing, you feel, you know, that you're good at what you're doing and, and not in a cocky way, like I'm better than everybody else and I have no room for growth. Like that's no, I'm always like, there's always room for improvement. Um, But to feel confident in your skills and capable in your skills, I think is a huge place to land. And I think, trusting my gut of what felt right for me and having really fantastically supportive clients that were like, yeah, we'll go on this ride with you. (laughs) 
is just has been really cool. Yeah, I totally know what you mean because I, you know, I never officially started a photography business because I was always working investigations. But whenever I would go out and shoot and doing the pose stuff, I was like, this just doesn't, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like me. And so when I finally started to take a different approach of doing more lifestyle documentary, that was just like, yep, this is what I like. This is what I want to do. But yeah, so I totally get it. I get not thinking that photography is one way and then it really isn't. It's whatever you want it to be. And if you can find clients who truly appreciate that and want that from you as well, then it's a perfect match. And if there's other clients that don't want that, then it's not a perfect match. And that's okay. You find you find your own clients that want you and want your style. So I'm glad yeah. that you were able to find that and realize, you know, this isn't what I want. This is what I want. And you yeah. went after it. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is your biggest struggle? I, I don't know if you have to say so much as being a photographer, but maybe just being a creative. What's your biggest struggle? Focus. <laughs> you focus what no um I think it's you know it's interesting because I think sometimes like if I was still just doing photography for strictly for pleasure right like for personal work and not for business what that would feel like now if it was that way I you know I think I mean, don't get me wrong. I am 1000% stoked that my kids all started school this year and I did not have to go back to work in higher ed and that I don't, I don't have to go back to work in higher ed and that I can, you know, I have worked my butt off for the last three years to get my business to the point that it is now where it is, you know, I'm financially contributing to our family and supporting our family. And, um, you know, so to be in a, in a situation in a place where you feel like you've accomplished this dream that you set out to have that you really weren't sure was ever going to be possible, considering where I was three years ago, um, you know, is is kind of overwhelming in a really positive way. Um, but as a small business owner and as a single person, like in that business, you know, not having anybody else that works for me or works with me. Um, you know, you constantly feel like you're doing 27 things at the same time because you are, you know, you're shooting, you're editing, you're, you know, you're updating websites, you're doing social media, you're advertising, you're following up with clients, you know, and I'm now branching out more into weddings, which is a whole other situation in and of itself. It's a and whole so, new ballgame. whole new ballgame. And so I think I struggle probably the most with focus, with figuring out where how to best focus my time. I joke with Meg all the time that I really think, I think parenthood has done that (laughs) to me more than anything else. Because as a mother, you know that like, especially when you're a stay at home mom um, or a working mom, like it doesn't matter if you're out of the house or in the house. Like if you're with your kids for any extended period of time, like you're interrupted all the time. 24,000 times a day. Like I must've answered 17 questions. I was trying to get dinner ready tonight. Like just in the time that I was like (laughs) scooping the the dinner out of the pot onto the plate, like in a span of my mom, my mom was here tonight. And I mean, I literally answer one question. I was like, mom, 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 mom. And I was like looking over at her and she's like laughing under her breath, you know? So I feel like having kids has, has hindered my ability to focus because you anticipate and expect you're going to be interrupted so 
you bounce from thing to thing to thing. And now that I'm home alone all day, <laughs> I find myself being like, oh, I need to send this. I'm going to, you know, I need to send this email to a client. And then I get into my email. I'm like, oh, I need to respond to that person. Oh, but I can't respond to that person until I upload their gallery. I got to finish editing those pictures. And I'm like, oh, wait, I need to get this album proof out <laughs> to the person. But, oh, I need to put the album proof. I got to create that in. Oh, I need to make that template so I can, like, it's like this, like. I laugh because this is my brain. This is how it it's goes exhausting. Back and forth. It's exhausting. And so then you're like, what did, why did I come in here? I was like, oh, I was trying to answer a freaking email. And that was four hours ago. <laughs> so I think it, part Where of the it, time gone. Yeah, what did I no do? Idea. So I think that's probably what I focus with the most. I think focus is one thing. And then I think also as a creative, I think we feel things a lot differently, you know? So, and this is one of the things that I've talked about, I think, more openly this year than in the last, actually probably in the last month or so than I have at any other point in my life. But, you know, the winter time is a really difficult time for me as someone that suffers with seasonal depression. And it's really hard to, to stay motivated to, to want to do anything other than like curl up on my bed and take a nap. And, um, and so I think sometimes having to find that intrinsic drive or find a way to motivate yourself when maybe you're not happy with what you're producing or you're feeling overwhelmed because of 17 other things that are happening in your world and in your life and in your relationships. And I think because as a creative person, I know that I have these outlets. I want to utilize them, but it's almost like I don't know how sometimes to get that started. And so I think it's just been a matter of, I think this comes with age too, is recognizing that it's not going to last forever. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's a, it's a season of, um, not to be, you know, to, to, to use a pun, but like it's, it's a season, right? It's a season of life. And, you know, that season could be a couple of weeks. It could be a couple of months. It could be a year, like whatever it is, but it's going to, ch- the tide's going to change, you know? And I think, a younger version of myself would have felt like, oh my God, it's going to be this way forever. And now I feel like I have the presence of mind to be like, no, recognize it, you know, figure out a way to kind of work through it, deal with it, sit in it, whatever it is you need to do. And then how do we take that first step out of it? Um, So I think there's, it's always kind of a back and forth between figuring out how to best organize my time and stay focused and time to create for myself. You know, there's all these personal projects that I still am trying to get done. We took a trip to Oklahoma last year. I edited the pictures. I haven't blogged them. I took video the entire time we were there. I haven't touched it. I literally just edited my son and my niece's first communion pictures from last May. And like, there's all these personal projects that I want to have time to do. And it feels like it's impossible to have time for them. And I, I, so I struggle with, how do you find time for yourself, for your personal projects, for your clients, for your client work, and then your marriage, and then your kids, and then your relationships, and then everything else? It just feels like sometimes there's not enough hours in the day. But that's probably... It's a big balancing act. Like, we're in the circus, and we're standing yeah. on one of those balls, and we're an elephant, and then we have, like, these uh-huh. other things standing on top of us, trying not to fall down. That's what I'm picturing right now. This is how we live. This is how we live. I feel like that person's spinning the plates. you know like there's a plate like in each hand and on the toe and on the head and like that's how i feel most days i'm like i can't i feel like i'm the elephant (laughs) (laughs) i'm the one who's holding everything up and everything's going on top of me and if i do anything else and these things fall everything's gonna go to poop yep (laughs) to poop yeah poop i can't say the other word because then i gotta bleep it or i have to do other things i I don't want to do that i know yeah 
All right, Mel, we're going on to some rapid fire questions. Are you oh, ready? Lord. Okay, sure. I'm going to go fast. Can you handle it? Yeah. Bring it on. Yes. Canon or Nikon? Canon. Favorite lens? 35. Sigma 35. Dream location to shoot? Everywhere. That is not a real answer. Next. <laughs> dream location to shoot. Dream location to shoot. Um, gosh, there's so many places. Um, uh, Australia. Nice. Lightroom or Photoshop? Lightroom. Full-time or hobbyist? Full-time, baby. Woo-woo. Favorite preset action or do you hand edit? Um, I'm a small user all the way. So, I mean, I've tweaked the ones that I, the presets that I use, but small, small, small presets. good. Yep. Are you a plan ahead type of shooter or do you shoot from the hip? <laughs> um, I know the answer to this question. I think it, uh, with my, um, okay. I will say that I think there is a merging of both, um, I think some of the, like, especially when I'm shooting a wedding, I have to plan ahead to what I'm doing so that I know that I'm getting everything yes. that I need to get. I leave room for a spontaneity in there. Um, I think with my kids, I might have an idea of, like, someplace I want to take them. But in terms of, like, what unfolds once we get there, that's all kind of shoot from the hip. I just get inspired while we're there. So I like to say that I am intentional sometimes when I'm planning a session or working with clients, but I am also open to inspiration. Well, for those who don't know already, where can our listeners find you? I, you can find me on Instagram at Melissa Ortendahl Photography, also on Facebook under the same name. And then my website also is Melissa Ortendahl Photography dot com so you can find me in all of those places on the hello storyteller podcast you can also find me as well um yeah you can find me there awesome and one last thing what is your next project oh so my workshop that i was there to my that i was there to workshop um is having a second run registration is currently open um the course itself, the workshop itself starts May 13th. And this is a course that is all focused on getting in the frame with your people, with your kids, with your partner, with friends, family, whatever it is. Um, we go over all the technical stuff that you need to know and how to get in there. The you know We talk about the whys, talk about motivation. We talk about shooting in your house, shooting in public, shooting in like a, you know, a public venue and location. Um, I had a really great group of students in January that did a fantastic job, and I'm super excited for those that have signed up for the next one already. And if this has ever been something that you have thought about, you know, the impetus for this whole workshop was that I looked back one year at the pictures of my children, and I was in, like, two of them, and I was blurry in both. And I thought to myself... (laughs) And I thought to myself, how will they know that I am here? Like when they look back on these pictures, I'm not in any of them. And I wanted to change that, but in a way that worked for me. And that was figuring out a way to get in the frame with them when it was just them and I, you know, I was home with my kids 11 hours a day. I was like, I got to use, put this time to use. Um, So you get to see all the behind the scenes of me with my own children um, trying to make this work and it's real. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so if you've ever wanted to, to be in the frame more with your kids, and and it's not just about getting in the frame, it's about being in the moment in the frame as well. So being able to let go 
of everything and be present in the moment, I think is, is the biggest takeaway for me. So if you're interested in that, that my registration is open currently. The course starts May 13th. We'd love to have you join me. Yes. And we will um, place the link in the section on iTunes and Google Play and on our website. So there will be several ways that you can get to the course and sign up. Yeah. All right, Mel. How'd I do? You did, good, you did good great. Interviewer? You are a good interviewer. You did a good job. I think my training did me well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, friends. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you guys learned a little bit more about Melissa like I did. Yeah. And we will catch you on the next episode. Sounds good. Thank Thanks, you. everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey Storytellers, our Academy is officially open for enrollment. Yay! Check out the amazing courses we have to offer available in 2019. And as an extra bonus for being such supportive listeners, you can receive 10% off your course or membership enrollment by using the discount code HSAcademy10 at checkout. Can't wait to see your story unfold, friends.